It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. You can, uh, by the way, on this radio, you can live stream us on the Internet. LarryKudlowShow.com, LarryKudlowShow.com. Heard all across the country, around the world, throughout the solar system. That includes the Milky Way. During the week, Fox Business, name the show's Kudlow, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 p.m. Please join us. If you can't make it at 4, you can text your favorite nine-year-old and she'll show you how to DVR the show. You could also catch the replay at 7 p.m. That might be easier. Anyway, we're going to talk stocks. The bull market continues. The Dow is up 246 points this week. The NASDAQ plus 144. The S&P 500 plus 51. Interest rates are wiggling around, but the 10-year is still well over 4%. And there's been a bump up in energy prices. We talked about it with Dan Briette in the last segment. Uh, for whatever reason, West Texas crude is now up to 78 bucks. Brent crude is up to 83 bucks, And gasoline is holding at $3.10. Nancy Tengler, CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Laffer Tengler Investments, and Stephanie Link, Chief Investment Strategist at Hightower Advisors and the Head of Investment Solutions. All right, ladies, night out. Stephanie Link, tell me why the Kudlow Trust, which always is long, the index, is going to continue to prosper. Please tell me. Well, thanks for having me, and it's great to be on with Nancy, too. Um, I think it has everything to do with we're in the sweet spot of the economy. We just put up a 3.3% GDP number for the fourth quarter yesterday. Uh, we got those results. But more importantly, the Atlanta Fed GDP now tracker for the first quarter is running at 3%. So we're running above average in terms of growth. And a lot of that is because, you know, the stimulus uh, is continuing to help. We had... Uh, fairly new stimulus last year, an additional $2 trillion that has yet to get into the economy. That's helping. The consumer is spending. I mean, any way you look at it, in the fourth quarter GDP, retail consumption was up 2.8%. December retail sales was up 4% year over year. Personal spending data we got yesterday up double expectations. And that has to do with what we've been talking about, Larry, for like two years, jobs, wages, and now you have lower inflation. We just got the best core PCE numbers since March of 2021 with a two-handle. So making progress. And why do we care? We care because this has everything to do with earnings. And I think that better economy gives you decent top-line uh, sales numbers. So like a 2% economy gives you like a 5% um, top-line number, 5 to 6. And lower inflation will help on the margin side. So you will get operating leverage uh, for a lot of the companies in the S&P 500, especially the companies that are not the MAG-7. I know that everyone's talking about this broadening out. We've we've seen a, a stall out in the broadening out. The Magnificent 7, on average, are up about 6.5% uh, year to date. But I do think as we get through earnings, because the economy is doing better, you'll see a, more, a broader uh, distribution in terms of better earnings. And so that's why I think you want to stay long. No doubt you are right. Nancy Tangler, what happened to the recession? <laughs> the waiting for Godot recession. Yes, yes. Um, I think a couple of things, Larry. You know, many of the companies 
that I think this is what fooled the Fed. And I heard your um, earlier interview with John Carney, and he's absolutely right. Uh, many companies, the large ones in particular, and in fact, many of the Mag 7, but more broadly than that, they benefited from strong fortress balance sheets that were now collecting double the interest income than they were previously. And they didn't, they don't need to go to the market to fund CapEx. Um, or acquisitions for the most part. And so what you get is corporate leverage. And over time, historically, um, since 1980, corporate leverage or corporate earnings have outperformed the, the uh, GDP, nominal GDP by about 55%. So as to Steph's point, and good to be on with you too, Steph, um, margins are going to expand. And, we, you know, we've got the added benefit of companies uh, buying back their shares, which will continue, and that should put a floor. We'll get volatility. Uh, I don't. I don't know where Steph is on this. I'd love to hear. I think we're going to get volatility in the first quarter, uh, and may continue into the you know into the first half in general. But I do think we're going to continue. We're going to be higher uh, by year end, and it just might be a little bumpy uh, on on our way there. Well, I'm just interested, uh, Stephanie. The Fed raised their target rate by 550 basis points. They slashed the money supply from 20-something percent to minus-something percent. They're pulling back on their balance sheet high-powered reserves, and, it does, and the economy's gotten better. Okay, go. I, all the models have broken down. Forecasting is, I mean, the Fed itself expected a recession or a near recession. And they're talking about cutting interest rates. The market was saying five or six, seven times, the Fed three times. What is going on here? I mean, it's it's an extraordinary situation. It, it, it really is. Okay, so just a couple of things. Um, you remember that in May of 2020, uh, when we closed the, uh, the country down, the Fed, if you add the Fed policies that were put in place and the monetary policies that were put in place, both had big bazookas. And they mm-hmm. should, they needed to, you were part of it, the whole thing. So A plus for that situation because we, we needed to. But if you add up fiscal and monetary policies at that point in time, it was 60% of U.S. GDP. You remember back in, in 2008, the great financial crisis, which was a real crisis. We had banks that were going under left and right. And the fiscal and monetary policies put in place at that time was just 5%. So you put an enormous amount of liquidity in the system. You needed to do it. It worked. We had a V-shaped recovery. But you know just as well as I do that it takes a long time for stimulus to get into the system, into the economy. And so that led to a, a nice tailwind. And then, as I mentioned earlier, that we just had $2 trillion in additional infrastructure stimulus that was passed. That hasn't even gone into the economy yet. And so that's a big part of it. The second part of it is that we've had, for the last six months, well, maybe not six months, maybe like four or five months, we've had financial conditions have started to ease. And so that's adding to real um, momentum in, in the economy. Um, and then overall, you have consumer, that's 70% of the economy, that is humming at this point in time with $4.1 trillion in savings. And as I just mentioned, all those retail sales numbers, they're spending because they have jobs. There's still 1.2 jobs available for every one unemployed person, and that goes a long way. And with jobs, you have wages, and they feel pretty good. And then, oh, by the way, and then inflation is coming down. So, I mean, I hate to sound like this is everything is perfect because it's not. And I totally agree, Nancy, with you on volatility. We're at a 13 VIX. 
there's only like one direction I could go from here, I think. And I, I think it's going to it's going to surround what the Fed does. And and commentary even next week could could lead to a little bit more volatility. So the next recession will be 2029, which will be Kamala Harris's second term. <laughs> that was a joke. joke, 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 joke. It's also important to note that there's a ton of cash on the sidelines, and you know, investors pulled 240 billion out of equities from October 2022 through the end of 2023, and yet the market was up 36 percent during that period. So I, I do think there's going to be a cushion there. Uh, also, when pe- when investor when rates come down investors start putting cash back into the market. You don't need all of it to go back in. You just need some of it to go back in. And that'll drive us up, I think, to the next level. Um, yeah, but, there's, but there's – Nancy, you make, a good, you make a good point. There's $6 trillion in, uh, in, in money market funds, and right. a trillion last year alone went into it. And you're right. If rates come down, people aren't going to be so happy with a 4%, maybe a 3% rate – I mean, now at 5%, it's really very tempting because you can, you know, call it a day. 5% is not bad. But then when you have a market that's up 26%, that opportunity cost is pretty significant. And we have another $6 trillion, uh, as the New York courts penalize Donald Trump for various one thing or another. <laughs> so he'll have to put $6 trillion in. That'll help the overall market. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, but it is quite a story. I mean... You, all professional forecasters and the Fed was expecting minimally a slowdown. Most of them thought there'd be a recession. Uh, I was in the same camp. None of this has happened. I mean, it's really quite remarkable. It just kind of makes you wonder. That's all. I, I don't know what it makes you wonder about, but it just kind of makes you wonder. And um, everybody was wrong. Not everybody was wrong. I'm sure there were some people that were right. But the stock market still looks strong. So stocks would be predicting a continued decent economy, right? I mean, is that what the, this thing shows, Steph? Well, you're the one that coined the phrase, you know, right? That uh, profits are the mother's milk yeah. for, for, the, for, the, for equities. And, it, and, and profits are going up right now, Larry. I yeah. mean, and we know, by the way, I mean, stocks follow profits on the way up and on the way down. And that's what happened in 2022. They followed on the way down. That's why we're down 18%. Numbers came down. And it was just a horrible year. Last year was a nice mean reversion. We have all this, these, these great things that are happening, economies humming. And, uh, and, and, but the market's not cheap, Larry. And so I think the big story this year is going mm-hmm. to be, can we get away from MAG-7? Can we broaden? Because the overall S&P 500 is about 19.1 times forward estimates. But if you look at the equal weight, it's only at 16 times. So there is a lot of value out there elsewhere beyond the Magnificent Seven, beyond technology. But it re- represents 35% of the S&P 500 weighting, and so it's big. The question is, can we, can we continue to, to grind higher if these other sectors participate? I think we can, but not 26% again. All right, we'll take a break. Nancy Tengler, CEO and CIO of Lafford Tengler Investments, Stephanie Link, Chief Investment Strategist of Hightower Investors and Head of Investment Solutions. The bull market continues. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. This is the Larry Kudlow Show on 77 WABC. Now back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We are talking stocks with Nancy Tengler, CEO and CIO of Laffer Tengler Investments, and Stephanie Link, Chief Investment Strategist at Hightower Advisors. 
and the head of investment solutions. Um, ladies, curious to see what you think the Fed is going to do this year. Not that it matters. I mean, the Fed can raise them 500, cut them 500. The economy still barrels along. But um, Stephanie, start with you. Uh, some people, a lot of people, the market still thinks the Fed's going to be cutting interest rates, even though we're growing over 3% with an unemployment rate of 3.7%. What do you make of the Fed? Well, I mean, they have a dual mandate. We know jobs and inflation, and jobs is certainly going in their direction, so they have the flexibility. Now inflation, though, looks pretty good. I mean, any way you slice and dice it, Larry, the numbers are improving. Uh, they're not to the level that the Fed wants to see it, but... 2.9% core PCE, 2.6% headline number. These are great numbers, making a lot of progress. Um, and even Bullard uh, last week talked about, hey, maybe they don't need to get to 2% to start to cut. So um, I thought that was sort of interesting commentary from him. Um, but I do think six is, I mean, I hate to say out of the question, but I really don't think that is a reality. Um, I think it's more like three. And I think that it's more like three in the second half of the year. I was out visiting with advisors, though, over the last two weeks. There are some people out there that now think it's nothing for the year. Mm. Now, that mm. I think would surprise the market for sure. Absolutely. But, but I think for now, I think consensus is about three. That's sort of where I am. I think the Fed should do nothing, Nancy Tangler. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree, Larry. I mean, you know I've drawn an analogy of this market and economy to the 90s. And we really robust stock prices coexisted with uh, a 10-year a yield between 5 and 7% on average during the decade. But one of the things that I think is important to note is that real rates are now – looking to be a bit too restrictive um, with the PCE, core PCE, at 2.6%. And we also know that behind the scenes, the Fed is talking about uh, the balance sheet and easing. So that may be one of the ways they solve it. But uh, I, I, think, I think it's important to pay attention to real wages finally as well. And they've, they've come in, um, and, and actual wage growth has, has slowed pretty dramatically. So we'll see. I mean, I've, I've been um, – completely uh, just unimpressed at every at every move because we, we get one message from the Fed and then a matter of weeks later they do something else. So I guess my underlying premise is we don't need the Fed uh, to cut necessarily and we don't need the Fed um, to tell us how things are going to go. We just need companies to continue to pay attention to their bottom lines and that's, those are the companies we're focused on. Yeah, I mean, the Fed should just declare victory and go home. That's all. <laughs> just, just do nothing. And stop talking. Yeah, stop do not talking. talk. Do not do anything. It's like old Senator Aiken said about Vietnam: declare victory, go home. That's what the Fed should do. They were completely wrong in their forecast, but it doesn't matter, and um, they should just not do anything. Um, Stephanie, you got favorite? You got favorite uh, sector you want to talk about? Yeah, well, like a couple things. Um... First, I think housing, that's one of my favorite themes this year for obvious reasons, with interest rates coming down, 5 million homes short in the country, 5 million millennials now first-time buyers, 13 years of underproduction. So I think the housing stocks are interesting, more of like the home improvement companies versus the builders, just because the builders have had such a nice run in the last year, and mm. the improvement stocks haven't done much. Cybersecurity, unfortunately, we hear about a cyber, cyber attacks all the time. 
that is the place I want to be within technology. There really are only five really big powerhouse companies. I think they only get bigger, as you see, M&A. Consumer I love because I think, obviously, they're staying, as we talked earlier, they continue to stay strong. And then just two areas really quick where we're seeing a lot of M&A that's not getting a lot of respect. Healthcare last year did $378 billion in M&A, and, and energy did $400 billion dollars worth of M&A last year. And I think that speaks volumes that they think there's value out there. And I think there's value in those sectors. Nancy, favorite sectors? Yeah, I still do like technology. All tech is not created equal. I'm not talking about the Mag 7. Um, We also like old economy companies that are embracing technology and pivoting uh, to digital and cloud and, and generative AI. So that would be things in the industrial space. We're overweight both of those. But we've added some interesting names recently. Um, we've added to REITs, but in growth REITs. So Prologis is a company where the CEO takes no salary um, and owns 2.1 million shares, and they have they are growing their logistics. And you need three times logistics space for for online orders, and 22% of goods are ordered online. So I think that's really interesting. And then Brookfield Asset Management, kind of a shadow banking lender. We want to be in financials, but not necessarily in the traditional banks. And so that and American Express are two places where we're overweight, which means we also like the consumer a whole heap, and particularly the high-end consumer. I bet Taylor Swift sold her AI stocks. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. That has nothing to do with anything. Please disregard that. I don't know. It just came in because I read the New York Post every morning, and I probably shouldn't, but I don't think she likes AI uh, at all. I do think, Nancy, to your point, I think the application of AI and quantum computing and all that is pretty good stuff. I mean, I think that's an economic driver. It is a bit like the 90s with the application yeah. of all the information tech breakthroughs. So I think yeah, that's you, part of it. You Go ahead, Steph. The performance of companies that have embraced uh, the digital or generative AI and those who haven't. And you can just, there's stark comparisons, like look at a Kohl's versus a Walmart or a McDonald's versus um, a Wendy's. These companies have, have really expanded margins, product development, and it's, it's, it is an important way for them to yeah. stay relevant in a... In a tech All right, ladies. Economy. Thank you ever so much. Nancy Tangler of Watford Tangler Investments, Stephanie Link of uh, uh, Hightower Advisors and Investment Solutions. We appreciate it. It's all very panglossy, and stocks are just going to keep going up, and I own the index, so therefore I'm happy camper. I'm Kudlow. We're going to take a quick break and come back with money and politics. Liz Peak and Steve Moore. I'm Kudlow. Please stick around, folks. <laughs> 